Hi everyone and welcome to episode 9 of Running Partners. I'm Alison. And I'm Paul. So in today's episode we're going to be talking about the marathon. So we did part one of the marathon in our first episode and this is going to be part two. So last time we talked about booking a race, whether you want to follow a plan or not, a bit about goals and making sure it's an enjoyable experience. So we're just going to go into a little bit more detail around some of those points um, so you can get ready for your April marathons. So Paul, I think before we get into the marathon topic, you've got a few shout outs to do, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Alison. So uh, yeah, a bit of feedback from some listeners this week. So thanks to comments from uh, Paul and uh, Justin and Becky. Uh, All had some nice comments about the show. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, keep listening. Tell, Tell your friends and I hope you're enjoying it. And then a couple of other things to mention. Uh, a listener and friend and neighbour, Riz, he's going to be doing his 500th park run tomorrow, which is an incredible achievement. Nearly 10 years of park runs. Um, amazing. Amazing. So we're just, it's really frosty today in, in Sheffield and we, we've been out for a run, haven't we, this morning. So mm-hmm. we're like a bit nervous that if it, the, the, the possibility park run might be cancelled, but I really hope not for, for everyone who enjoys doing it, of course. And obviously for Riz, he's, he's invited people down to join him for, for that park run. So I'm going to go down in the morning, providing it's on, and and uh, enjoy that and um, and celebrate. It's a great achievement. He must have not missed hardly any in no, the and last few and years. He, I know he's done them around the world hasn't he so he's yeah. uh, Riz has done marathons in um some of the majors in different countries and uh, he, he's someone who'll do a part run the day before usually and then do the marathon the next day so yeah he can hardly so that's incredible dedication and of course like incredible effort from everyone who makes sure part runs are on ev- every week all over the country and all over the world so yeah, and then amazing then a couple of races we know uh, a local race uh, towards the Doncaster 10k was last weekend and uh, looking at the results for that both for people from our local running club but from around Yorkshire and around the country some incredible times lots of people doing PBs and, and, and racing really fast so well done to everyone yeah. who did that. I heard it's a, a really nice course so it might be one to try next year maybe. Yeah yeah if you've not tried it I think give that one a go and then if you listened to last week's episode, we talked all about ultramarathons. Uh, if you didn't have a listen, uh, we talked a bit about the Hard Moors series of races. Well, last weekend there was the Hard Wolds 80, which is part of that series. So that's 80 miles. And the winner, Steve Bateson, did it in an incredible time, 11 hours and 49 minutes. It's course record, isn't course it? Course record. So yeah. just think, I was I was thinking about, oh, trying to equate that. And then I worked out, so that's over three marathons. So three marathons would be almost 79 miles. So it's three in a, three marathons and a little sprint finish at the end. And he's done that in under 12 hours. So imagine doing three marathons, three sub four hour marathons consecutively mm. on trails up and down some hills so you know staggering achievement that kind of someone can do 
do that distance in that time. Um, incredible, really. Incredible. So well done to, to Steve and everyone else who, who ran that race. And was it actually 80 miles? Because, you know, hard moors <laughs> like to add a bit on. They do. They? So it's probably 82 or something yeah, like that. We'll so have to check, more check of the... an incredible <laughs> yeah. effort. Yeah, so so brilliant. And well done to everyone who's who did races last weekend. And as ever, if you want us to... Uh, read out any race results or talk about any races that you're doing anywhere around the UK or indeed uh, anywhere across the world. We do know we've got listeners outside the UK. Email us runningpartners at outlook.com. We'd be really pleased to hear about it and we'll read it out on the show. Okay, so now we'll get into our running for the past week. So Alison, what have you been up to in the last seven days? Well, we've got a 10k race on Sunday, all being well. Yeah, again, um, weather permitting. Yeah, so a as we said, snow it is icy. And yeah. I thought that the re- the snow was going to hold off, but the weather mm. forecast is suggesting it's going to Might gonna be a bit Saturday, snow. early hours of yeah. Sunday morning, so we'll see. And we've had an email to say that there's a few a few icy issues, bits, yeah. icy bits, a bit of a narrow bit of the road and that sort of thing. So hopefully we're doing a 10K on Sunday. So I've not done as much this week not done as many miles so I went to track as usual on Tuesday we did 800 and then 200 four times so we did an 800 with a four uh, 60 second rest Mm -hmm. then a 200 with a 45 second rest and then we did that four times so um, I look back at what my time was for the session six weeks prior yeah and I was a bit quicker. I think I was about 10 seconds. Oh, that's good. Progress. Yeah. So my pace. So not yeah. 10 seconds per rep, but overall. Yeah. yeah. And so that's 4Ks worth of intervals in total then. 800 plus 200 yeah. is 1,000 times 4. Yeah. yeah. 4 kilometres. Yeah. So I did okay. that on Tuesday. So that was good. Felt okay with that. And then I've done a couple of easy runs. And I think that'll be it for me. And, and get yourself and then, ready. Yeah, yeah, have a rest before the 10K on Sunday. So, yeah, what have you been up to? Yeah, so also, like you, we're doing the ten, both doing the 10K. So the race is the called the Percy Pud, uh, which is a, a, a race in Sheffield that's always run every year at this time of year, just before Christmas. And you get a Christmas pudding at the end of the race. So, that, so that's nice. So something to put in the cupboard and leave for another couple of years and till we actually decide to eat it um so so like I've done some easy runs I did do one interval session which was it was a 20 minute warm-up and then it was 20 minutes uh fast running uh so I did just over kind of three miles so um sort of a part run type distance for, for that for my 20 minutes and then it was a five minute recovery and then six one minute sprints one minute on one minute off so that and then a 20 minute cool down so the whole run was about an hour and 15 minutes or something like that and it had 26 minutes of work in it if you like which for me equated to about four four and a bit miles of of um, intervals during that session so that so that was good so coming off the back of a half marathon I did a couple of weeks ago I'd not done much fast work so that was good in advance of the 10k at the weekend and then like you I've done a couple of easy runs to to kind of bolster that and we've been out for a run haven't we this this morning tried to stay upright on the roads because it was a bit slippery but it's quite nice yeah and you're gonna do you 
a short run tomorrow. Oh, yeah. So, yes, yeah. So, yeah, like we talked about in one of the previous episodes, I'm going to give the old sort of day before run a go. Some strides. Yeah, yeah, some strides and and sort of keep my legs fresh. And so that'll be the part run I'll do tomorrow morning uh, with with Riz. Uh, So that'll be, yeah, three three miles or so. I might do a little warm up and a little uh, cool down after. So three or four miles max with a bit of sprinting in there and then. That'll get me fresh for for the race on Sunday morning. So yeah, so it's been a good week. Okay, so let's get into the detail of today's topic then, marathon part two. So Alison, where do you want to, over to you, where where do you want to start? Well, I had an exciting week this week because I got my good for age outcome. So it was a tense day on Monday, uh, waiting for the email to come through. But it came through eventually to say that I got my place. For the London Marathon. For the London Marathon. So that's April... April the 21st. Oh, so, yeah. 2024. Yeah. Yeah. So this week, it's kind of focused my mind on getting my training plan ready. So as we discussed in the, the previous episode, there's different ways of training, isn't there? You can use a plan that you... You know, you find somewhere on the internet, you can use a coach like you do, um, or you can just, you know, do go out running. Yeah, go yeah. out running and just kind of work it out yourself. It's fine. I'm going to, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do yet in terms of the plan, but I know that I want to do 16 week plan. So working backwards. I know so when that, does that, that starts start? on the 1st of January 2024. Okay. So we're going to have to. Uh, four, five weeks, four or five weeks yeah. from now. Maybe uh, raining at some of the <laughs> New that. Year's Eve celebrations, or just uh, you know go out feeling so, not very so, well. So you're, so you and anyone else's similar position looking at London Marathon or these numerous marathons in the sort of April time, isn't it? Yeah, there? there's Manchester, isn't there? I'm yeah. not sure what whether is that before. I think it might be. So people uh, might be Boston, starting. Yeah, I know last UK year when and I was Boston, US. Yeah, last year I started my training a bit earlier because my marathon was a week or two earlier so it was sort of boxing day or something that I was starting. So what would you be saying now to kind of almost the pre-training plan plan if you were you know how would what's your how do you build up so that when you get to the start of the plan you're feeling like you can start the plan you know what I mean and and you're not it's you're not going from nothing to like right week one I'm suddenly going out five times a week or whatever. I think in previous years I'm usually up to about eight miles in the long run, at least. Okay. I think this year I've probably been doing a bit more than that because I've been trying to get some fitness back. But I think that that's okay. Kind and then you can you build up be. from eight miles. I think usually training plans sort of start around, around there or eight, at least ten like miles as four, a long run. Four runs a week, something like that. Yeah, so I've been doing around about 30 miles a week. So that's that's where Solid my starting base point is yeah. I guess if you weren't doing that you could maybe try and build that up over December yeah before you start so yeah. you, you've got yeah for three or four runs a week and up and, to about 30 miles and for lots of people Christmas are kind of it the you know like you mentioned it is that bit about your home you're perhaps eating a bit more drinking a bit more but for lots of people they have a bit more time as well don't they because typically people might be not working as much and therefore there is time to like fit in a couple more runs and build up a little bit in a way that you might not might be less easy at other times of the year yeah I guess it's a good opportunity to develop that habit isn't it of getting out and doing doing a few more runs than you usually do definitely and then try and sort of take it 
onwards through January, especially when everyone's got a New Year's resolution to to go out, you might have a bit more support. Yeah, why you. not? And if it's going to be a New Year's resolution, why not make it a, a December. December resolution? <laughs> yeah, we could change the, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to wait till January the 1st, it could be December the 1st. Yeah. So what date's your marathon? Yeah, so mine, I think it's, when do you say London was? 20, 21st. I think it's one week after that. Okay, the 28th so you, you can start your Boston, yeah. If you were doing 16 weeks. Yeah, similar, yeah. A uh, week after. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so so shall we get a bit into the specifics of what your plan might look like then? Yeah, so I think we've covered the different types of runs a little bit before in the half marathon episode. But just to kind of recap, I think that for a marathon plan, you need obviously need certain sorts of runs. So you need a long run clearly and you need to build that up but you also need maybe one or two faster sessions don't you so as we've discussed before you could either do something like track session or intervals on your own or a tempo session where you're running a few miles at say 10k pace and a warm-up and a cool down or like you do Paul you could do some speed work within your long run so you could yeah. just do one of those sessions like a track session and then you can do your long run with your speed work but yeah. I think the general guidance is not to do more than two speed sessions a week isn't it yeah I think so because you I guess run the risk of fatigue injury you don't you're not going to get the most out of those sessions if because if you're doing one say you're trying to fit three in a week then you're basically going to be doing something pretty much every other day. So you're not going to have enough time to recover and therefore the benefit of the sessions is going to reduce and overall your adaptation and your fitness progression towards your goal time or goal of whatever your goal is, whether it's you know finishing the marathon or doing it in a specific time or doing it without stopping or whatever, is going to be more challenging in, in my opinion, that's in my experience. It's that the easy runs are all about maintenance, form, fitness, and recovery. In order that when you do the sessions, hard intervals, a hill run, you know, a fast long run, a marathon pace run, that you're going to get the best from it. Yeah. So you gr- gradually build up those the amount of speed work you do yeah. within a yes. in a run, wouldn't you, as you go along in your training plan? Yeah. And I think that most training plans that you could find on the internet would give you quite a good framework of yep. how to build up those, yep. wouldn't they? And then in terms of your long run, what distance would you go up to? Yeah, so I was having a little look through what I did in advance of the last marathon I did, which was Leeds Marathon in May this year. My training got a bit scrambled because we were away, weren't we, in, in New York and Boston, but I managed to I managed to fit some running in so I the longest distance I did was 22 miles mm-hmm. and that was about five six weeks out from the race but I did I was just looking I did I think I did four at 20 miles and one at 22 so and they were all over that they were kind of looking from perhaps 10 weeks out from the marathon to sort of a month out and I gradually built those up then in terms of the time so my target marathon pace so I Uh, Like I've talked about before, I was going for three hours or sub three hours. So my target marathon pace 
was six minutes 40 per mile. Obviously, it'd be different for everybody depending on what target your time is. So that's what I was doing. So if I just give you a flavour of how things built up. So in the early stages of the plan, when I started to do long runs, I'm talking like 15, 16 miles plus. So I started off with 12 miles at seven minute mile pace, but with a two mile warm up and cool down. So the whole run was 16 miles. So I was running 20 seconds slower than my target pace. Then the next week I brought that down to 6.50 pace. So dropped the pace and increased the volume. So I went from 12 miles to 14 miles with a two mile warm up and cool down. Um, So you've got that big chunk at just over the target race pace with it with it makes it a long much longer run because you're doing the four miles with the two up and the two down stop me if I start not making sense and then it was a bit of a reduction 12 miles 650 pace and then it went back up then the week after that the um, pace came down to marathon pace and that's when I started trying to do 14 miles 16 miles and then 18 miles all at that target marathon pace, all with a two mile or a two mile or a three mile warm up and cool down to make it around 20 miles or over 20 miles, 22 with the longest one. So I was doing, and I think this is probably a bit different actually. So this was the plan that Coach Stazer had given to me and I was I was following and it was hard because, and I think it is a bit different to some other plans. I've not seen many on the internet that you that have as much volume of longer runs at that target marathon pace but I've like talked obviously with my coach a lot about that and I've read around it and it's sort of a the the logic being that you want to train at that race pace and then if you're doing intervals midweek you want to be doing them a lot quicker than that just it really adapts the body and gets you used to running at the pace that you want to run 26 miles at so even though I'd done eight you know you go up to 18 miles at that 640 you try and then to do 26 miles but it but the doing the doing the training at that pace will get your body ready for that I mean some of the plans perhaps have a bit less than that don't they might be like 10 12 miles at the target pace I don't know so does all that make sense do you think yeah yeah I think that yeah plans that I've followed before I've done fewer long runs but not by loads maybe I've done four runs at 20 miles or more okay. and I've probably gone up to I don't think I've gone beyond 22 miles might have done 23 I'm, I'm not 100% sure but I think in terms of the speed work and being at marathon pace definitely not as much as that uh, maybe what so if you did a 20 mile run and the plans you've done how much of that 20 miles would you be doing at your sort of target race pace probably a less than half okay what and what sandwiched or split or how would you do it? Would it be like the first half at easy pace and the second half at your target pace or something like that? Yeah, I think I've done that before. Yeah. 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 And so people often ask, don't they, how far should you run? How what distance should you run in lead up to a marathon? And it particularly if you've not done one before, the distance is daunting. It's a long way, twenty six point two miles. And I think people find comfort in getting as close to that as possible because it gives them confidence that they'll do it but I guess what do you think about that I think it depends on if you're doing trying to do sub three obviously I'm not trying to do that you are I think people tend to run further don't they I think sometimes people go on time on feet don't they so it depends what what your goal is you know you if your goal marathon time is five hours you don't really want to be out for five hours 
in, in training. training. Do It'll you? just tire you out and fatigue you. Yeah, and I think I I read somewhere recently that you know if you say you're going for a three hour marathon, you shouldn't really be out more than two and a half hours for your long run. So so, so you could probably adapt that to whatever your race goal yeah. is and kind of maybe an hour or half an hour less. So it depends on what your pace is and what your goal what is. your goal is really. Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. I'd have to have a look back at what my how long I've been out, but I would imagine that it less than three hours for a long run. Yeah, yeah. Same. No, Most I was doing that. was like two and a half hours, yeah, something so like that. Would that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and again, I was targeting three hours. I didn't achieve that. But so you've got a the time. That's a good point about the time. And maybe it's more about the time than the distance, depending mm-hmm. on like you say the pace that you want to run. Because um, the key is the training is to get you ready for the race rather than tie you out for the race, isn't it? So the other thing is how many runs you do per week in marathon training. In my personal opinion is that you need to do at least three runs. I know other people will think differently and think that sort of one or two runs is okay, but that depends on your goal. But my personal opinion for the goals that I've gone for in the past is that three runs is probably the minimum but I would tend to go for five runs per week Uh, what do you think so I've done six typically six I think if you're doing any less than three probably gonna it's it's gonna be difficult I would suggest because like we've said you want to do you definitely want to be doing a long run you need to be doing some easy maintenance running and probably an interval session well that is three runs there isn't it I think you know it's all about do you want to enjoy the race. If you if you train less, it's going to be harder. You're probably going to enjoy it less. So I think three is a minimum. Four, five, yeah, that'd be great. If people, I think if you can do that, that's where you need to be at. Yeah, like you say, it's about your goal, isn't it? So we're talking from perspective. Of, I was trying to do sort of sub three thirty. You're trying to do sub three. Yeah. So. For me, five runs and for you, six it, runs is kind of what is required yeah. for, for those goals for us. I mean, there's some people, you know, that Super, do double days yeah. and, and things like that. So, yeah. it, you know, it, it depends on what your goal is. Um, the other thing is sort of increasing your mileage and mm. how much you do that. And I know that a rule of thumb that I've seen quite often is 10%. So not to increase your total mileage or maybe total time, time. on your feet by more than 10% each week. So would you? does that fit with what you've done? Yeah, probably. I think if I look at back when I've done training plans leading up to marathons, yeah, typically that would be about right. So you might be starting off somewhere. So for me, if I'm doing six runs a week, it's probably going to be like 45-ish miles in the early parts of the plan and then probably going up to like 60, 65 miles uh, towards the end of the plan with that gradual progression of like yeah a couple of miles a week something like that so yeah I think that's a, a good rule of thumb for sure what about you yeah yeah definitely and I think that some training plans certainly the ones that I've followed before they tend to have a drop down week as well mm. so you're building up but then Step every back. fourth week you probably have a bit of a lower mileage or a lower time on your feet week and it just kind of gives you a chance to kind of take on that training and have a rest and then start again at a bit increased mileage or increased speed and, and paces and things and they think the important thing to remember about recovery it's also about that's when you're 
fitness increases because your muscle repairs, mm. you know, you kind of those adaptations are happening in your body that will then progress your fitness up towards the goal. So it, that both as easy running to maintain your fitness and recover plus a step back week are really important. Then they're, they're not a sort of I think people panic, don't they, and mm. think and this is another thing in the taper, people worry about the fitness sort of ebbing away or decreasing but actually it's like a vital part of the process isn't it yeah and sometimes your mind plays tricks on you doesn't it in those weeks where you think you should be running but you've got to just kind of trust the process as they say yeah 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 so my mileage like I say probably doing sort of 30 miles a week at the moment and that's what I'll start my plan on it'll probably go up to about 50 miles per week at the peak weeks before I go into a taper so the the other thing that comes up a bit is when you part of your training plan you incorporate races yeah. so kind of it gives you a bit of an idea of where you're at with your training because sometimes it's difficult to know isn't it whether yeah. your training's effective or not you might going out and doing your tempo runs and just feeling like you're not progressing or yeah. you're just feeling really tired so some people incorporate races so maybe a half marathon or a 20 mile race I've done this before as part of the training yeah. plan so they can sort of take the place of your long run um, but also give you a bit of an indication on where you're at and um, what do you think about yeah so I think they can be helpful that I think the thing about races is pretty much always you're going to run at a quicker pace than you can do in training and there's like a number of reasons for that one is usually you'll like plan for the race so you'll probably have a couple of days rest before the race in a way when you're training all the time you kind of you you you're um you're always out running so you're not thinking about a race you're treating workout sessions as like sessions you want to do so you might run a, an hour the day before then do your interval session coming up to a race like a half marathon you'd probably have a few days rest or something like that and so you'd be ready for it and also with the race environment a uh, combination of adrenaline running with other people, you know, um, crowd supporting. All of that, in my experience, makes you run faster than you do anything in training. So races are good for that because I think they give you a real indication of where your pace is at. I think what I would say for a half marathon, so again, I've had conversations with my coach about the benefits of this. So he talks about trying to do a half marathon 10 to 12 weeks out from your race and then use that pace as the indicator to increase the mileage off. And his logic is that if you do a half marathon, you can add on 20 seconds per mile to the pace that you do the half marathon at. So let's, for argument's sake, you do a half marathon at seven minute miles pace. You should be then be capable with the right training and building up the volume of long runs to run the marathon at 7.20 pace. And there's other ways people work it out. They double the half marathon time, add 10 minutes and that sort of thing. But his logic is you can only do that if you do that two, you know, 10, 11, 12 weeks out. If you're talking a month out, then predicting a marathon time off some off a half marathon four weeks before is not going to be accurate, depending on the training you've done. 20 mile races, definitely. So I think if you're, if you're aiming your last long run to be, say, a month out from your race, if you can find a 20 mile race that sits one month out from race day, I think that is a good thing to do. Because again, it's that race environment and it will get you, give you confidence that if you can do that race or the vast majority of that race at your target pace, a month out from your marathon, you're going to be then thinking, great, I can do it. 
Yeah. What do you I, think? Yeah, I did a 20-mile race last year when I was doing marathon training for Boston Marathon. But I think because Boston was a week before London, I think that the race that I did is positioned in the calendar at a point that's suitable for people doing London Marathon and some of the other UK marathons. And because Boston was a week earlier, I think I probably it was probably a bit too late in my training. So how long was it? Three weeks? I think it was three, three weeks, weeks before. Three weeks before. Plus also you think you got injured doing I think it. I might have done, yeah. And I think I sort of reached my peak fitness at that race. I did a good time, but yeah, I kind of came away from it probably injured and then my bit fitness. fatigued. Yeah, a bit fatigued. So I think it's important to think about when you Timing. do them. Yeah. Um, in terms of the half marathon, I don't think I've ever done a half marathon as part of training before. I have penciled one in for this year well I've paid for it so I'm going to do it but it's a bit later than what you've said so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out because on the basis of what you've said it would have to be start to mid-February but this is like 10th of March I think yeah and that's the challenge you can't always find the races can you so it's all right having these things in mind but I think the other thing is not to get fixated on Mm. incorporating races into your training and you know driving off to like Glasgow to do your half marathon Mm. well unless you live in Glasgow (laughs) that's fine if you live in London because you found the one race that sort of fits in the timetable you you can you can do all of it without races can't you you know it Mm. requires your kind of commitment and dedication to the training the races are a good way of benchmarking your fitness but you know it's not a not a necessity is it no so the next thing we just wanted to touch upon is, that, and it's come up before in previous episodes, and also Darren asked about mm. drinking, but it's all sort of practicing taking gels, fuel, whatever you want to take, and drinking and things like that as part of training, but then in, into the marathon as well. So, yeah, is there anything you want to say about that? Yeah. So, so I think so. Let's break it down. So let's start with gels so so i think in our nutrition episode we talked quite a bit didn't we about fueling in the race so i think if you're having your gels and you know your schedule for those it might be every 30 minutes or something like that through the marathon this is something i've not been very good at but is important and i'm going to try and get better at is i think recreating that in perhaps a couple of your two or three of your longer runs is important because there's a knack to trying to open (laughs) <laughs> and consume an energy gel whilst running. What I've tended to do, and I, I don't know, I was thinking about this yesterday, I don't know why I've done it, but when I've took them in training, I've just stopped, had the gel, put the mm, packet in a bin, and then I've carried on running. But I would never do that in a race. Mm. So I think having a gel can kind of interfere with your rhythm and your breathing a bit. You know you need it because it's going to benefit your your energy system. It's going to give you the fuel you need. So that, there is something about practising that. Yeah, and I think it's finding the gels that you like as well, isn't yeah. it? Because I know There's I loads. don't have too much trouble with them, but I know some people it can upset their stomach. and mm. So it's if you've not used them before or if you've used some that haven't been right, you need to kind of allow try. enough time to try some different ones and see which suits you. In terms of drinking, I mean, I've yeah. not really taken water out with me on very many runs. I mean, I might have done on some really long runs or, and, hot or days if I've or yeah, been training like in the summer, yeah. but it's not really something that I've done, probably for fear of needing to go for a wee at some point during a long run. But you know, what do you think about that in training? Yeah, so it's probably similar, really. I mean, I terrible if I have, like, 
one drink, it can make, make me need the toilet for hours. You know, I ran the whole of a half marathon needing the toilet the whole whole way around, but didn't stop right till the end and went straight to the toilet. You know, so I'm, I kind of, I guess I've learned that if I have some fluid before a long run, a bit like you, unless it's really hot day, I'm going a really long way. Uh, that's fine for me. I I don't tend to carry a, carry anything more because I suppose wearing a vest and stuff is a bit more cumbersome, and I don't necessarily want to do that during training. I have stopped a few times, so I've like gone to a shop. If in the middle of a long run, I have been thirsty, I've like stopped, called at a shop, bought a bottle of water or Lucasade or something, and, and drunk it, um, and carried on running. So I think it's all about what what suits, isn't it? I think the logic. So the logic of drinking is like drink to thirst. I don't think it's any more complicated than that. But thirst is different like for everyone, isn't it? So yeah, so in training, do what works for you. I think when it comes to races, races over 10k have to have a water station every 5k. So if you're doing a marathon, you know that there'll be a water station every five kilometers. And usually that'll be sometimes cups of water, but often bottles of water, sometimes energy drinks as well. I think for most people, you could... Uh, take drinks from the water stations and that will be enough so if you're someone who needs a lot of liquid during a race and get thirsty you know that every five kilometers you're going to have the opportunity to uh, stop or uh, slow down and grab a drink yeah what do you think yeah great yeah I mean I don't want to carry anything extra with me on a race so yeah I just rely on the water stations and I've never had a problem um, like you say, it's a bit can be a bit difficult to drink it. Your technique of squeezing the cup and just taking a little bit, and you don't really get very much. But I think that's enough, isn't it? If you if you take a drink every few miles, it, I think it's so. enough. So and that could be to like get the taste of the gel out of your mouth. Yeah. What about if you want to use drinks as your primary source of carbohydrates? So gels are carb. Mm. You know, if you're having gels, you want a carb ones that are heavy in carbs. Yeah. But if you don't like the gels and you want a carb drink. What's yeah. your way around that? Well, I guess you have to carry it, don't you? Yeah. So, you know, it's not something that or I've ever tried because I've been all right with gels. A friend who can hand kind of you hand you one around mm. the course, Kipchoge style. Yeah. Or if you can get your drink on the drinks table. But I yeah. think we're, we're a bit of a way yeah. off being allocated yeah. a spot on the drinks table. So. Yeah, I don't think that's for us, is it? Yeah. So gels if you can get into gels for your fuel they're easier to carry uh, and then you can just grab the water as you need it through the marathon and take a drink whenever you want every uh, like I say every 5k yeah and just related to kind of the nutrition element of the marathon I know I went into a bit of detail I think it was in the nutrition episode wasn't it about what I eat before a marathon so I won't go into that now but listen to that if you're interested yeah Yeah. but one thing I did forget to say and a few people asked me about it after that episode was I do tend to take Imodium before a marathon preventative sort of yeah just in case and it just gives me a bit of reassurance that I won't need to go to the toilet during the marathon so is it a hundred percent successful it has been so far yeah 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 so I've done a few races that are over 20 miles and I've probably used it for most of the those and races. have you practiced it with the modium so you won't want to do you won't want to like never done it before first time you go to marathon take some modium yeah if you were thinking that that would be helpful to you you could practice it on a long run couldn't you yeah one of your 20 20 it... plus mile runs and just see if it actually works for you um so yeah so a few people were 
kind of asking about that and saying that they considered it but were a bit worried about whether to do it or not but I did once ask a friend of ours that's a GP about it and he was Is like it, yeah yeah that's not going to lead to fine. sort of a constipation problem for weeks <laughs> no, and then no so it's yeah okay. so I just wanted to mention that because I'd medically forgotten. approved Great. Mm. No. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing we were going to talk about is equipment. So the super shoes, we've talked a bit about those. And I know someone else, another listener, did ask us to cover this as well about super shoes because they were thinking about whether they should buy a pair or not. And I think we have touched on it a bit. We've both got some shoes no. with yeah. carbon plates. Yeah. I've got some of the original Alpha Flies that I dust off for my racers that and you've got what have you got? Yeah, some Alpha Flies and then some Salcone carbon plated shoes as well. I mean there's a few years ago it was only the night ones, wasn't it? Mm. Now there's like loads of different brands yeah. and the prices have like come down a lot. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying they're cheap, they're not, but when they were first out it was like two hundred and fifty mm. pounds. Now you can get a pair for like half that. Yeah. So I think the they can help and the science proves you can run a little bit quicker but the key thing is comfort isn't it so if you buy them and you know you slip them on for your race and then halfway around you're in agony your ankles are rolling or you've got blisters the but the marginal gains from the carbon plates going to be kind of outweighed by the discomfort of the shoe so i think it's like all these things it's about finding stuff that works for you isn't it if that's a high-performing marathon shoe great but if they if they're not for you either you don't like them they're not comfortable they're too expensive or whatever you can run a marathon in like a pair of kind of standard running shoes no problem can't you oh yeah everyone used to do that yeah, you know, yeah. four or three years ago but yeah. the problem is how do you know if they're any good you have to buy them don't you well, and you then do. running them Trying. and then yeah, yeah. That's a bit of a problem. But I do think, for me, I like them for longer yeah. runs. I don't think it really makes massive difference for like anything less than a half marathon. Okay. But I find them comfortable, they're light, um, so you don't feel like the you know, heavy, yeah. weighing you down or anything. So if you're thinking about it, it might be worth trying Investing. if you if yeah. Or try it, yeah. Yeah, if you uh, yeah, if you can borrow someone else's Yeah, see have if a you go. like them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What else then in terms of equipment? Uh, you you like your watch, don't you? Yeah, I think having a having a, a GPS watch to record your activity is helpful during training. Uh, it can tell you your paces, your your kind of heart rate, you know, your kind of cadence, your how much climbing you've done, and all that sort of stuff. You can do that. You can do some of that without a watch directly on Strava, and um, to use your phone to record activity. I think a watch is helpful. Again, you know watches gps watches that record your activity they've come down massively in price you know you can get decent ones now for like 100 quid or less uh, you know from uh, various brands uh, so i think having one's helpful because it gives you a good training aid i find it a useful training aid and on the race then it's easy to keep track of where you are how fast you're running i've got one i like it probably not as much into the stats as you but i do quite like to keep track yeah. of, of how, uh, yeah the training and stuff yeah Definitely. And then the other thing you were talking about was headphones in races that I don't ever want to wear race um, headphones in races just because I like to hear the race sounds. Mm. Yeah, same here, really. So I do. I always wear listen to stuff during training, even long runs, I like listening to music, podcasts, whatever. I think when it comes to races, some races don't allow them, do they? You know, so you you know instant disqualification if you get caught wearing headphones. That varies. Seems to vary. I don't think there's a ruling on that. I think that's down to each individual race. 
and the logic is often around safety other runners or if you're running on roads where it's only partial road closures and things like that but for other people i know it works as a great distraction marathon's a long way if you're running for three four five hours listening to something for a couple of hours might be a big help so i think they can can work uh, you can get ones that kind of allow noise in from outside as well don't they so that you can you can hear whatever you're listening to but you're not completely cut off from it the world around you see yeah, like bone conducting yeah exactly headphones. so yeah. There's, there's stuff out there that you can that you can try and again i think it's whatever helps you enjoy the race really um but always obviously check the rules on the individual race yeah prill um so we mentioned a little bit about backpacks didn't we that's something else that people might use if they do want to carry take a drink, a yeah. drink on the, might need the race, a running vest yeah. yeah so the running vests and backpack vests yeah, yeah and i think yeah we i've got one but i've only used it for trail races where i've had to carry equipment you know like tape seamed stuff mm. and that sort of thing it's more stuff moving around isn't it on your shoulders yeah. so it can be painful yeah. yeah so i think it links a bit with chafing diana one of our listeners has asked for us to talk about chafing a bit and i think that vests can chafe can, a little yeah, bit the, the backpack thing yeah. but also sort of socks and sports bras and shorts Anything. waistbands on shorts and um i've not had you... too much problem with my feet but i know people have problems with their feet but generally i think the only you can buy products can't you that are sort of specific for running i can't remember i can't recall what they're called now but it's like vaseline but yeah. um to rub on your feet yeah, yeah to rub on like the areas that that are at risk of yeah. Blisters, yeah i mean i've tried various running bras and i've found ones that are okay but any anything with a seam seems to agitate, agitate you after 20 miles of running and, so and sweat can make things worse yeah. can't it so again all this stuff is like this is what tr- you're learning training isn't mm-hmm. it so when you're doing these long runs of two hours plus you'll n- you know try and wear some of the kit that yeah. you would want to wear in a race because you'll know then is that is that what chase now I've got into the habit. It's took me years and years of like like nipple soreness and things like that to to kind of get used to part of my kind of pre run routine. And and I'll, and I'll do this for anything over probably an hour. Is like put Vaseline on areas that I know chafe and it, like, it works for me, you yeah, know. And that's yeah. like effective. And then, but it's I, I've had to make it a habit. Mm. And, and it, but I don't know why it t- took me took me so long. <laughs> Red raw nipples. Now yeah. now I do it, but um. So again, it's like practice, isn't it? And find out what what helps. Yeah, yeah. So I think that we've covered quite a lot in this episode, haven't we? So there's a couple more things that say that, like, we talk about the taper and executing the race. But I think probably we come on to that sort of when we're nearer. Yeah, kind of weave that into when we're yeah when we're doing the taper and when we're thinking about executing the race. So. I think we've probably covered enough for today, haven't we? I think the, so, yeah. The last thing I just wanted to say was that if anyone's thinking about doing a marathon or the, they are signed up to the marathon and, you know, they're thinking about a training plan, I know that sometimes people around you, if they're not into running, might be a bit negative and, doubtful. you know, doubtful of whether you can do it. And I've had this experience in the past. I know when I did my first marathon, um, I, I rang my mum the night before and she said good luck and whatever. And then she just said 
you know, if you if you can't do it, ju- you'll just have to stop. And I was, oh, okay, thanks. That's, Here's a uh, reverse psychology. Mm, a vote clever, of confidence. A clever, mm, and it's, yeah. it, it, you know, inspired you to do, yeah. you know, do your best. But I think that it's, you know, she's lovely, really, and she yeah. doesn't, you Probably know, want to undermine me. She's yeah. just worried about me. But I think people that aren't into running don't sort of... Believe it's possible. Yeah, believe yeah. it's possible. And it is a great thing to achieve. But, yeah, don't... Don't be put off by don't any Don't be put doubters. off that. If you want to do a marathon, do it. And I think anyone can do it, can't they? Yeah, definitely agree with that. And through and so through January, February and March, we'll be going into our training plans in detail, won't we? And so yeah. we'll tell you how it's going. And like Alison says, we'll talk more about executing the race, tapering and all that sort of stuff as we go. Yeah, brilliant. Perfect. All right, so I think that's probably it for today. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, as ever, leave us a rating or review. Thanks to people. We've, we've had some nice reviews on, on iTunes and Spotify, so thank you for those. And tell your friends across the, the running community and always get in touch with us at runningpartners.outlook.com. So I think that's it for today. Yep. Okay, bye-bye. See you soon, bye. Thanks for listening to Running Partners. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please leave us a rating or review, tell your friends and help us build the Running Partners community. You can email us at runningpartners@outlook.com with any comments, questions, feedback or topics you want us to discuss on future episodes. You can find us on Instagram at 26.2 and Gris Running and we're also on Strava and all the links are in the show notes. See you soon for the next episode of Running Partners.